Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I've been in a place many years ago, won't tell you where, where the pastor fired all the board members. I was one of the board members, by the way. That's how one of our churches got started many, 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 many months later. Never because of that, just God just orchestrated it. But the organization that was over, that went along with that man. That church today has never, ever, ever prospered. You know why? Because it was an abuse. It took away the balance that was there. When God created the universe, there was order in all things, in every way. The rebellion of mankind introduced chaos into the order of earth. Mankind, having been created in God's image, seeks order as well. Tragically, because they're trying to do life without God's help, more and more disorder is the norm. Sometimes churches get that way. Pastor Mark will be teaching how to get more order in your church and your life. It's about submitting to and trusting God's guiding hand on you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 13 as he continues his message, responding to godly leadership. Notice also in verse 17, Obey your leaders, and second, submit to their authority. So that's the next. That's number four. Submit to your leaders. Paul says the people in the church have the responsibility not only to obey them, but to submit to their authority. Now, it's interesting to me, by and large, in the church, and by the way, it's really a pleasure to teach this to you because We really don't have these issues. It'd be very difficult if I had to stand up here and we had this rebellious church and nobody was listening, everybody's doing their thing. It'd be very hard for me to do that. But it's not hard for me to do that. So know that I'm just educating you tonight. But it's good principles. But second, think about this. In the world, do we live by submitting to authority? Do we? Some of you do. The rest of you don't have jobs, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, when you come to a red light, do you submit to authority? Yes, you do. Stop sign, speed limit. Whoa. (laughs) Gone to meddling again now, huh? Okay. At work, when the boss says, I need this by 5 o'clock, do you say, well, who are you? (laughs) You might once... And then be what? Gone. So, isn't it amazing? In the world, we understand that perfectly. But when sometimes it comes into a church, not the problem in this church, understand, not a problem in this church. 
But when it comes into many churches, people go, well, who am I going to, what do you do? Who do you think you are? Over me? What does Paul say? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm over you in the Lord. And I'm going to try to be a good, godly role model. So understand, it, that rebellion is amazing that it, it would extend itself to the church. But again, we're wonderful because we don't have that. What is that submission? You know my, my definition of submission. There's a million of them. But mine is a willing attitude that wants to cooperate. And that's just who you guys are. You're just incredible. You're beautiful. You want to submit. And it's just a great picture. Now, who learns number four first in a church? Submit to your leader. Who learns that first? The leader. See, if I'm not submitted, number one, to God, you don't want me as a leader. Everything is off now because I have to be under authority myself. That's what keeps me straight. So the eldership that's balanced and checks for us, as well as the elders, we all, we all kind of flow together. Again, bottom line, there is one leader that will have to finally stand and go, no, this is the way we're going, if issues come. That just doesn't really happen here. Very rare that it happens in our leadership. Happened a few times, but very rare over all those years. Who wants that to happen? Same as your home, I've told you many times before. There has to be submission for the wife to the husband. But that, that husband must love his wife. And so how often do you play that submission card? Very rarely. Why? Because you're flowing together as a team. So if you play that card often, there's something wrong in the relationship. Same in a church. So we don't have those issues. But see, in this, myself and the other elders are submitted to God and to each other. How can we say to you, submit to us? We can't. One of the things that I challenge the pastors with, and the elders, often, because of the dangers in the church, I will say to them, the elders and the pastors, the day that I'm no longer your pastor, your pastor, is the day you need to resign. Because, see, then they're submitted where? To someone else. It'll never work. The whole thing goes down the hill. You say, well, that's pretty strong. No, that's biblical. You think Timothy could say to Paul, well, Paul, you know, I'm really not into you. I don't think so. Paul would have taken him to the woodshed. So there's a principle that has to be there for all of us. And I have to be the same way. Now, what is the abuse when you have one leader? The abuse is that person, if he wants to play his political cards, can move himself to a place where he doesn't want any eldership. And I've been in a place many years ago, won't tell you where, where the pastor fired all the board members. I was one of the board members, by the way. That's how one of our churches got started many, 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 many months later. Never because of that, just God just orchestrated it. But the organization that was over, that went along with that man. That church today has never, ever, ever prospered. You know why? Because it was an abuse. It took away the balance that was there. So I want to say thank you again, because we have that kind of leadership that flows together. God knows how to move people off if for some reason it doesn't flow. But we do that. So first thing is, before you think about submitting to the leadership of your church, you want to make sure that your leaders are submitted to God. How can you tell that? By their lifestyle. You can see that. You can know them. Now, 
Let me read to you this. As you think about people who don't submit, God knows how to take them and move them around. Remember when God called Moses initially? God called Moses and says, Moses, I want you to lead the children out. What did Moses finally say? Uh, How about picking somebody else? So there was a problem, wasn't there? God had to what? Work at his submission because he wasn't submitted to God. God had to work with it. And eventually, I think some of the problems that Moses saw was like, oh, that was a picture of me. Because remember, who do the people go to all the time? Moses. What's wrong with you, Moses? What are you doing there, Moses? How can we do this? And then, of course, Moses had trouble with Aaron, with Miriam, other leaders. Some of that went right back to the other place. First Thessalonians 5.12 says this. Now, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, remember, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. That's hard. Admonishing is hard. But that is a role of a leader. A role of a leader is to keep focused on the whole picture. That's the responsibility of the leader. And submission and learning to lead from the second, third, or fourth chair is a huge blessing to the leader in charge. I've been in the second and third and fourth chair many times. Somebody else was in the first chair. But to learn to lead from there is a beautiful thing because, again, that unity and that teamwork. And so what God is after with all of that is that that leadership is flowing together. All of our energy is outward against all the world and being fishers of men and going for it instead of inside thinking about, how do I say something to that person, this person, whatever. And And so we don't have that. So it's a blessing. For those of you that have no church history, you're thinking like, what's he even talking about? For those of you that have church history, let me have you say amen. What do you think? Amen. You know, when you walk into a campus, if you have history of church splits, when you walk into a campus, you can smell division. You can smell unity. And many people that walk onto this campus and go, I can feel the Spirit of God here. That's not about a man. That's about God. And he's there because there's what there? There's unity there. Is there perfection there? Look at us. Come on. (laughs) Certainly not. Are we all learning? Yes. Humbly. But we're submitted to to the great shepherd tonight. Amen? All right. Now, why should Christ followers... Obey and submit to godly leadership. Look at verse 17 again. Why should you do that? This is huge for us in leadership. The reason you do that is because they keep watch over you, notice, as men, just humans, who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For bottom line, in the end, if you don't obey and submit to God's leadership, that's going to be no advantage to you, the Christ follower. This verse simply is talking about life is not a playground, it's the battlefield. And leadership in the church, unlike many other places, you know, all my life I worked in the hospital field. We dealt 
with life and death. I dealt with it all day long. Medicines in the ER, working with patients down in the ER, surgery room, all kinds, all day long. Pastors and elders deal with life and death all day long. Sometimes physical, but most of the time spiritual. Now, which one's more important? Spiritual is. So what this is just saying is, Paul understood the incredible responsibility of being a godly leader. It's not a profession. It's not something you choose. It's not like, wow, that's the best job there is here. I'm going to pick that one. No, it's a calling from God, and there is a responsibility to it. Acts 20, 28, Paul, when he spoke to the Ephesian elders, said this. Elders, pastors, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You didn't choose yourself. God chose you. And be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. See, God has made the leadership responsible to watch for the spiritual health of every person that's following them. So our responsibility is to declare the truth of God in a loving way to counsel you, to direct you, to be with you, so that we kill Satan's goal, which is to steal and to kill and to destroy. On Judgment Day, every leader is going to have to stand before God in two ways. This is why the responsibility. First, I'm going to have to stand before God for myself, just like you do on Judgment Day. Give answer for my gifts, my callings, did I do things right, whatever. these. But second, a leader is going to have to stand before God and say, well, how'd you do with the responsibility of leading those people? That's pretty heavy. It's not fluff. And I brought the guys into the office today, and we all just prayed together. All the, the pastors here that are on staff. And I challenged him with that verse. Because, see, one day, I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to give an account of how I served you as your leader. That's pretty tough. So how do I want to do it? I want to do it with the best of my ability. I want to do it with the right attitude so that when I stand before God, he'll say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Bomber, you did good. You were honest. You were open. That's what I want to hear. And how will I know I did good? Because the people that I was over grew ministered, changed, became more like Jesus Christ. So it's an awesome responsibility. And understand this, John would write this later, 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. See, if you're a parent, that's huge. If you're a spiritual parent, that's really huge. That's our goal. All the pastors and elders here. That's our goal. That you walk in truth. What is truth? Thy word is true. John 17. It's there. And it's not that you know it, but that you walk in it. So thanks again for being positive and obedient and submissive and willing to cooperate. You guys are incredible. Thank you. Give yourself a hand right now. Just give yourself a hand. Good job.
Now, verse 18 is the last one. Paul says, pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. So number five, pray for your leaders. Well, why do leaders need prayer? Well, just look at us. (laughs) Here's why leaders need prayer. Let me give you two or three things. Number one. Leaders are appointed to a higher responsibility. We're not better than anybody else. It's just a different responsibility. Husband and wife are 100% equal in a marriage. They just have different roles. You see, to lead means to go before, to show the way, as I said, to influence, to guide and direction, course and action. God designed all Christ followers, but especially leaders, to have this power of influence. And because of that, let me just read to you. You can write it down. I'll do this for sake of time. James 3.1 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers or leaders in the church. For we who teach will be judged by God with greater strictness. Now, why is that? Because our influence is greater. That's what a leader does. And in some ways, when some of us read that, we'd like to go like, well, number one, I don't care to be in the ministry. Forget that. I don't want to stand before God for these people. Number two, give me the smallest church you can. Seven people would be great. (laughs) Five of my kids or something like that. Whatever. You see, when we look out on this campus now, in Vieira, you know, every weekend, 8,000 people. Well, what's our influence? Our sphere of influence is what? Just increasing and increasing and increasing. So if something's bad here, not just me, but all the elders and pastors, you're going to be all up here tonight, so focus isn't on me. If something's bad here, that influence spreads everywhere. What if I got up and said to you, you know what, I really think marriage can be however you want it to be, and started changing. Well, lots of people would leave, but lots of other people would what? They'd come. And now my influence is different. Pretty soon now, I'm influencing for the wrong. And so that's why we take this very seriously. And that's why I'm not going to play with this. I don't have the smarts to play with it, number one. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit help me to explain it to you as he wrote it. Same for all the pastors. It's because our influence wants to be good. So remember, James says, be careful. You can't have too many pastors. It's just not going to be good. And the caution is heavier judgment for those that are in leadership because they have this greater responsibility. Now, Why do leaders need prayer? Number two, leaders are always in Satan's sights. God wants you to love and respect and honor and obey and submit to your leaders. Satan wants one thing, to bring the leader down. Because when the sheep look to a shepherd that's gone, the sheep scatter. 
That's what Satan wants. So how does that work? Satan does all kinds of things. And I don't have time to go there, but just think about this. Think about Peter. One day, Jesus stopped Peter and he says, Hey, Pete, Satan desires to have you, Peter, to kind of just tear you up. Now, why would Peter get outlined? We don't hear about the other disciples at this moment. Why Peter? What was Peter's role going to be? Huge. He was going to be one of the main leaders initially. Day of Pentecost, Jesus says, Satan wants to bring you down. That's always the goal. Satan would love to bring me down. That's why you're going to have to pray for our marriages and my wife and myself and all the pastors. Because Satan would love to do it. I'm not fearful of that, but I'm not unaware of that fact. And you need to understand it. That's how these great pastors come down. J. Alzo Sanders, no leader lives a day without criticism. Humility will never be more on trial than when criticism comes. So as a leader, there's all kinds of stuff always coming. I told the guys today, I don't know where it was from. It's a great quote, and I have to try to find it. A leader has to have a head of a soldier, a mind of a soldier, a heart of a child, and the skin of a rhinoceros. Is that good? It is. Because there's all kinds of stuff always coming. And you can't answer everybody's request and need and how they want and all this. But you guys are just terrific about that. So why do we need prayer? Number one, we're called to a higher responsibility. That's huge when we think about that. Number two, the enemy is after us. That's his goal. Remember when Jesus said to Peter, Pete, Satan's after you. What was the next response from Jesus? But I prayed for you. See, he needed prayer. And number three, why do leaders need prayer? Because leaders are human. They're not infallible. You know that. We're human. And I want to end by saying to you initially, thank you so much for being a great group of people that we can serve with. We love to serve you. Our goal is to serve you. That's what we're called to do. That includes being over you, that includes ruling, that includes making some decisions that you don't approve of and whatever, but but you're great with it, you're fine with it, you know we're human, you pray for us. This is in my Bible, this is always in my Bible, the other pastors may have their own verses. This is my life verse for where God has me. It's in Colossians, and Paul said this, we proclaim him, it's not about a man, it's about Jesus, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect. That word really means mature in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling, this is huge for me, with all his energy. See, if I try to do this in the work of the flesh, any of the pastors here try to do the work in the flesh, it's over with. You have to start in the spirit, you have to end in the spirit, you have to live in the spirit. He says, to this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. That's the goal of all of our pastors. Today, Pastor Mark taught that submission is more than a hold you see in wrestling or MMA. It's a vital part of the proper working of all society, including the church. 
you'll learn that for there to be true biblical unity in the church, that everyone has to be submitted to the authority that's over them, including the pastor and teacher who should be submitted to Jesus. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Well, this winds up Pastor Mark's teaching, Responding to Godly Leadership. Next time, he'll begin a brand new message called Equipped to Do Life Right. He'll continue about the roles of leadership and followers and how having those parts all working correctly helps people to have their lives right with God, which then helps those people to show others how to do life right. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting